So today, uh, if you're following along in our Advent, if you haven't a chance to do that, uh, joy <clears throat> is the word for the week. And uh, Isaiah 61 is a passage of Scripture. If you've got your devotional, you know that's it if you looked at it already today. But I'm going to read it and and as I said last week, sometimes trying to figure out, okay, that's the, that's the Scripture for the day, then try to figure out, how do you preach out of that? So we're going to try that today, but uh, there's plenty here. Man, we could preach a whole series just out of this passage of Scripture, but I want to read that as we get started this morning. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide to those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. It will be called oaks of righteousness and a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, for a display of His splendor, for a display of His splendor, a display, an example. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. In verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make ever make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are people that are blessed. The Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a rope of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The word of the Lord. Jesus, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but his, basically his first message, especially in the town of Nazareth, his hometown, was these first few verses of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor. And I love, uh, it's in Luke 4 if you want to read it later, but, but I love what it says. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And again, if you like the phrase, drop the mic, that's kind of what that was. <laughs> he said it, and then he sat down. The emphasis for this week is joy. Peace. Hope over the last few weeks, joy. Next week, love. Can't miss those. When we really begin to think about what Christ has done as, he, as we come even into this season, the season of Advent is to, yes, to remember, but to look forward. And I, and I, I do need to clarify something. Jeff mentioned 
uh, just for those of you that are older than maybe 30, okay, uh, Jeff said that one of our social uh, challenges, our social uh, uh, platform challenges will be what's your favorite holiday drink, and he said one of his was cold brew. I just want to make sure those over 40 or 50 that that's a coffee. <laughs> I just want to make sure you know that, because if you're older than that, when you talk about cold brew, that was not coffee, okay? That was not, not coffee. So just trying to clarify that as we move forward this morning, because that would probably bring great joy. I'm not saying that, but I just want to make sure we know. But happiness, again, we all, we all like happiness. We like to be happy. But happiness is really, I, mean, I think we'd all agree, is an emotion that can disappear as quickly as it comes, we're happy one moment because we think we've found, you know, somebody could find money, and then all of a sudden, oh, I found this amount of money, and then your conscience comes along and makes you unhappy because you now you, it's not your money, so now you got to give it back. I know that's a silly illustration, but things can come and go in that, that quick of order with happiness, but joy is a choice. It's to live, to me, to make a decision to live in fear. And sometimes we don't want to, but that's where we are. Or in, in resentment. Or a, just an attitude of complaining. Or criticizing. Or joy. Now, I don't know about you. I like to be around people who display way more joy than they do fear, resentment, anger, complaining, or criticizing. I don't know about you, but that's who I would rather hang out with. But I'm not sure everybody does. I think there's a lot of people who like hanging out with those people because it can feed where they are. But Scripture is very clear to us. Joy and rejoicing is supposed to be a part of who we are as believers. And I love this passage of Scripture for a lot of reasons. It's the one, again, repeated by Jesus. As we, if, again, you can read in Luke chapter 4. Is it, I am, he says, I have to come to proclaim good news. Now, he says to the poor, now no doubt that is a, probably a, a, a poverty issue, obviously, but it's also the poor. It's blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who realize that they are bankrupt without him. Blessed are those. But I came to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal those that can't be healed when only Jesus is the one can heal it. And I know, and it's already mentioned here, this year has been a year for many of great joys, no doubt, from babies being born to marriages or engagements and all those great joys. And then there's been great sorrows. Losing of loved ones, no doubt for some. We know that personally. Along with maybe even a job or finances or, or there's a lot of different things that can come into that. But the question, again, those are things and circumstances that can change in a moment. And you can be happy in one moment and not be happy just about as quick. There are choices we make 
that we choose for a moment happiness that we know for a fact is fleeting because we know it's not good for us or other people around us. But we choose it for a moment. Then it's gone. And the wake behind that sometimes is pretty devastating. So happiness in itself can't be what we're searching for and what we're hungering for. But joy I know this week for some of you, maybe you read in the, or heard somewhere along the way or read that we were not having a Christmas Eve service live in person, and it brought you great sorrow or great, you know, and I get it. But we have talked through it, and I've been praying about it for weeks, going, how does this look in the year of 2020? And there are multiple reasons. It wasn't just a knee-jerk decision. But I know one of the things that makes Christmas Eve so special is the connectiveness, and this year just didn't look like that could happen. The way that we, it just, there's nothing normal, is there? Doesn't seem like. And I realize that, but please hear me. We're trying to do the best we can in the middle of all that. And we're going to do some unique things and may not be, you know, mind-blowing, but to make Christmas Eve still special and we will all be in our homes or wherever we are kind of on the same level playing ground this year. Because I know one of the things that's so special for many of you, and I'm going to say to you online, we have missed you, and I've said it over and over and over for the last nine months, and it's hard to believe it. I'm saying nine months. But we hope by all the interactive things that we may do on social media and everything, we all kind of feel like we're together. So it's a challenge for us. But in the middle of all of it, Philippians 4, Paul writes, Philippians 4, 4 through 8, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love this because we're going to talk about it today. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Joy. Rejoice in all things. So as I looked at this and I I began to go, okay, what... When I began to look at my walk with Christ over these last now 34 years, are there things that have brought me great joy, not just happy? Because there are times, no doubt, I'm just happy. And there are no no doubt there's times there's just great joy. I mean, obviously, and happy and joy can go together. Getting married at 35 years ago or having four children and and grandchildren and and all those kind of things bring great joy and happiness at the same time. But joy goes a little deeper. 
Actually, joy goes a lot deeper than just being happy. There's a rightness about it that you're convinced of. And so one of them, for me, what brings me great joy, and I think it's probably one of the biggest devastations that we will find maybe when we look back on history of 2020, one of the greatest devastations is the opposite of what I think brings me great joy is God is with us, Matthew 1, 23. How many of us would trade all the presents we will get this Christmas? I'm excluding all children. But how many of us would trade all the presents that we're going to get this Christmas, this Christmas to restore the normalcy of presents with human beings? Would get every bit of it. Actually, matter of fact, I would probably give more than that. Way more than that, just to go, not because of just the presence, but it means other lives are being saved. People are not dying. There's a lot of other reasons why, obviously. But I think as we look back on 2020, one of the devastating parts of it is we're, there's just that not with us. So when I look at great joy, especially for many of you at home who are isolated, one of the things I hope and pray that you're sensing and you have felt that God is with you. But in order for someone to, and and again, this day and age, I didn't bring my phone. I never bring my phone in here unless I'm using this illustration. I forgot to do it this morning. But we know this day and age, in order for someone to be with us, it's more than just being in the room, right? There has to be this interactive awareness that they know you're there. One of the devastating parts about the technology we have is is that you can be in the same room or the same automobile with somebody and not be with them. Matter of fact, you're somewhere else. I don't even talking about what news. I'm talking you're talking to someone else. And you're so separated from the actual physical presence. So we can't look at God that way just to say, you know, God, you're 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 I know you're present but you're not interactive. When it's all the names that Jesus is called, we get, I don't know if anybody's ever had more names than Jesus as you look at them through Scripture. Bright morning star, wonderful counselor. I love this one. I am. The Alpha and the Omega. Lamb of God. Each of these names takes something that's specific and significant and tells us who Jesus is. But I don't know if there's one more significant that I've already mentioned found in Matthew 1.23. It was a name given to Jesus 700 years before his birth. And as Matthew tells it, as the angel comes to Joseph in a dream, it's these words. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him 
Emmanuel. God with us. There's no doubt there's different thoughts on God, if he exists, and if he does exist, where is he? No question, the atheist would say, there is no God. The universe happened by chance, and I know I'm oversimplifying, oversimplifying these words, but just for expediency. The universe happened by chance, and there's no ultimate designer. The agnostic says it's not really possible to know whether there is a God or not. God may exist, but I'm convinced you can't know it if he does. The polytheist says you have a God, I have a God. There are many gods. The pantheist says that God exists in everything in the universe, and God is part of everything. He's in the trees. He's in me. He's in you. The deist says God created the universe, left it alone. In other words, a deist is belief that God is impersonal. He may exist, but he's impersonal. And either he has no relationship or he desires no relationship. But the theist says God exists and is involved in creation. God is not only out there. He cares about his creation and desires to have a continuing active participation in it. What is so great about what Matthew says above all names, other things may describe some traits or may describe some things of Jesus, but when he says God is with us, he's telling us about the purpose of Jesus. He came to, so you would know he is with you. Before the ascension, throughout Scripture, we see this. Before the ascension, what is Jesus saying in Matthew 28? I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we get to, in Revelation, when we get to heaven someday, that, 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 that now the dwelling of God is with men and he will be with them. They will be his people and God himself be with, be, will be with them and be their God. But when Jesus returned to heaven, he sent the third part of the Trinity, if you will, the Holy Spirit says he will be with you. The whole thing about this is God is assuring you he is with us. In the year that we're isolated, in the year that we feel like we're all alone, God is promising all of us he is with us. That is good news. It's just good news. Another sign of great joy for me over the years is to look and see the fingerprints of God everywhere.
I ask God, I don't know about a daily basis, but close to it, to give me eyes to see where he's at work. I'm one of mine, no doubt, is in nature. When I see a sunset, you can say, well, you know, that's, anybody can do that. Anybody can look at that and appreciate it. I, I, I get it. But I often say I just believe God's showing off sometimes. I like to get up early in the morning and see the sunrise, see that morning star. I see it in circumstances. I do believe the creator of the universe is omnipresent everywhere at the same time. But he is not part of the creation because he is the creator. So I'm not going to worship creation. I'm going to worship the one who created it. And what still amazes me is, is that God uses us to be a part of leaving those fingerprints. chose us to bring the good news. I love what Jeremiah 23, 23, 24 says, I am the God who is near, declares the Lord, and not far off. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? I want to see God at work, and I want to talk about that in just a minute on the last part of this, but I want to have, I want to have great eyesight. <laughs> to have my head up with the eyes of Christ and to see God at work. Because I know the question comes screaming many times. God, where were you? And it's hard to answer. But I know this year for us, and this is my next one, is I find great joy in generosity. Is that I don't always know what all God's up to, and I can't figure it all out. But I go back, as we talked about many months ago, one of the things we knew to do early on at renovation was when all this kind of broke loose was lean into what we already know we're supposed to be. And one of those was in generosity. When things get tight, give yourself away. Give your time away. Give your finances away. Give your talents away. When things get tight and you feel like you want to do this, because one of the things we, we could do during this time, no doubt, what is becomes very scarce, because scarcity, as they say. You get the mentality of scarcity. And I'm just going to encourage you today that one of the great joys in the middle of all this, not only is a walk of faith, but is a, an attitude of generosity. We as a church didn't take the, the PPP, and we, you know, we maybe could have. We didn't do a lot of different things, and I'm not critiquing anybody else who did do it. We chose to try to give ourselves away, and that's what we started doing. I don't know if we have the slide up there, but over this many months, over the last nine months, 
Over and over, we've been in many of these places, multiple times we've been giving to. And I mean, and not only the Church of the Nazarene and around, around the world, as most of you know, even through, through next Sunday, or ne- yeah, through, through the Navajo Nation and our partnership and the Church of the Nazarene through that. But we will be given at least by the end of this month $75,000 away from here, not counting what you guys have given in gift cards and, 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 and items that you've brought in. And we continue to try to do that through the Church of the Nazarene, yes, but through local ministries. That's one of the things I love about being a part of the Church of the Nazarene. We're one locally and do a multitude of things here locally and don't have to have anything to do with the Church of the Nazarene. But we're many around the world. Even when you get a chance to read the MCM magazine, if you downloaded that this week and looked at that, I hope you will. We'll just free. I mean, many of you like free, right? Okay. But you can download by our website or through, through the email this week our MCM magazine. And in that magazine is a is is one, and it tells you things that are going on around the world that you're a part of. You're already supporting. You may not know it. We may not mention it here, but you're a part of. One of them is, I think, in the middle of that magazine is 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 our Navajo our, our uh, medical teams going to the Navajo Nation here in Arizona back in, in in the summer. So just so you know, you're a part of that. I just want you to know that's the reason why we we probably don't do a good job of getting that out there. But you're a part of that. But one of the things, and it's a couple of different scriptures that I loved here, Proverbs eleven twenty four, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A Proverbs eleven twenty four from the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. We want folks at Renovation whose world is getting larger and larger. One of the great joys is trying to figure out how to give yourself away, friend. That is not something going, I want to try to hold it all to myself and become scarce, have a mentality of scarcity. One of the great joys of the good news, and I hope and pray, put that slide back up. I hope every place we've sent finances or participated through our schools, or whatever that is, I hope and pray and pray over that as I hit send many times to, to, to confirm the payment if we're doing it that way, but that brings great joy and good news. That's our hope. My only reason I tell you this, I just want you to know you're part of this. That's what you are doing. Now, again, could we do more? Sure. There's always, and we'll, we'll continue to look at that. And that doesn't even include up there the rents and the, and, and the utilities and all those kind of things that you guys were a part of to help people sustain and make it through this. And we're still working on that. God is with us. He leads us to see his fingerprints everywhere, even in the things that we would go, there's no way. And he leads us with the joy of the good news of generosity. And I think maybe the last one for me is the joy of being a part of transformed lives. The greatest joy I've ever had in my life is praying for people to accept Christ as their Savior. One of the greatest joys in my life. And then watch them be transformed, not by anything we do. We may give them some, 
some, sometimes some tools to get there. We say it over and over again here. We're never going to try to do what only God can do, but we want to give the best conditions for God to, to do what he possibly can do. But we will never transform anybody. But man, can God get a hold of a heart. And the ripples of that heart can be unbelievable. This week I had a great joy when I found out that about the movie Paul's Promise. Anybody in here heard of Paul's Promise? Yeah, Paul's Promise. It's an awesome thing because Brother Paul Holderfield, those of you who know uh, Brother Paul and them, they're making a movie about his life. Now, we've been going there for 20-something years, but they're making a movie about Paul Sr.'s life uh, from the 50s up until probably about 1970 and all the transformation that happened in his life, a transformed life that transformed his family, that ultimately transformed a community. And it, Brother Paul calls us in his friendly chapel, Church of the Nazarene, and you guys, they would love for people to start following. So if you do that, that would be great. But I love, and I think there's a picture of Paul and Kathy. They're on set this week. I was texting him, those who know Paul and Kathy. Uh, uh, they were there this week, I think, as they were starting to wrap up the filming of that. And Paul was a little uh, bothered because I think they're actually going to be in the film as a cameo kind of deal. And I guess Kathy gets a bigger part than he does or something. He's bothered by that. I, I don't know exactly on that, but anyway, he and I were texting. The reason why many of you have gone back there over and over and over because we've drugged you there is because it's evidence of a transformed life. And it's this unbelievable ripple of a transformed life. See, the good news that Jesus talks about, the good news that he gives us, the good news... uh, if it happens in your life when you begin to follow Jesus, it should be good news not only for you, it should be good news for your family. It should be good news for your coworkers. It should be good news with students that go to school with you. It should be good news for your community. This should be not only good news for you, they should be thrilled that you've given your life to Christ because now you're more compassionate. Now you're more forgiving. Now you're more generous. Now they should be thrilled even if they don't believe in God at all. We should be living a life of good news and joy that they are thrilled that we believe it. Even if they think we're crazy. They are thrilled that we are more forgiving. They are thrilled that we are more compassionate. They are thrilled that we're more generous. They are thrilled that we're not the people complaining and criticizing and doing all kinds of messed up stuff on social media. They are thrilled to be around us and know us whether they believe in what we believe or not. They should be thrilled. Now we know that Scripture talks about sometimes because we're living it out so much, it's not good news to them because to some, the fragrance of life, and to some, Scripture talks about in Corinthians, it's the smell of death because when you're around them living this out, and I don't mean you're even saying a word, but you're just living, like Brother Paul says, a sermon heard is soon forgotten, but a sermon seen is never forgotten. I think as Jim Elliott said, I want to be a dividing place. When I'm around people, they have to make a decision. Because of what God is doing in my life, 
not because I'm there judging them, just because the presence of God with me is so real. It's either good news or maybe bad news. (laughs) The good news. I know this is Jesus, but I love this thought, though. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Heard this from Penn Gillette a few years ago. You know, he's a well-known atheist, unbelievable magician. Those who know, I think it's Penn Teller, is that who was with Penn Gillette? Thought this was interesting. Again, this is a well-known atheist. He said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect them at all. If you believe there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them, that is because this is, telling this because it would be, make it socially awkward. How much do you have, it goes on to say, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? Let that sit in a second. If you believe you've got the good news, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them? Just because you don't want to be socially awkward. Now, this is coming from an atheist. How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not to tell them? Emmanuel. See, I'm convinced God is where he's always been, doing what he's always done. If he hasn't already, he will, if you don't know it. He's chasing after you and I. He's been ever-present. I know for me, when I sense the presence of God, and again, those far away, those who don't believe in God, I, I understand why it sounds crazy. But when you're in that moment and you sense the presence of God so real, I think this Celtics call it the thin place where you almost feel like you can touch God. There is no greater joy. But just as the inner three wanted to build when Jesus and the Mount of Transfiguration, they wanted to stay. No, we got work to do. There are times we will sense the presence of God so real. And it's not because we got all emotional, because we sang high, we sang great enough songs and we got all fired up. There's just this overwhelming presence and peace and joy and hope and love. We'll talk more about next week. It's unexplainable apart from there being a God.
Acts 17 says, he, God is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. For some people, some of the most negative consequences they're having in their life is because they have chosen to alienate themselves from the presence of God. And that might be all right, folks, if you live life in a vacuum. But you don't. But you don't. What I want you to hear today is the central promise of what I believe the Bible is. And many of us would say, well, the central promise is I will forgive you. I think the greatest comfort today, even though that is true, the greatest comfort for us today and the greatest joy and the good news is, especially in the year of COVID 2020, if you will, the greatest promise is I am with you. Won't you stand? We're going to close in prayer. I don't know if we can sing Light of the World to close us out of here or y'all forgot that song since we sang it earlier. But, but if you didn't, I think it'd be good to send us out of here on that word. But I want to pray for us as you guys are coming. Is it maybe this day, one of the hardest things I think for me before I gave my life to Christ, again, being very ignorant of Scripture and everything else about God back in 1986 was, was that I couldn't shake his presence. I tried. Anybody ever been there where you've tried to shake God's presence? You literally know he's pulling you. You really sense his, his working in your heart. You sense him telling you, speaking to you. You sense him drawing you. It, it could be all, and you're going, no. Because you don't know what it's like till you step across. And then the question becomes, why have I waited so long? Why? Good news. He came. For the poor in spirit. He came for the brokenhearted. He came for those who need healing that can only come from this kind of God. Not from a medicine, not from a therapy, even though all those are fine. But there are healings that only Jesus can do. And then he moves us, and I love that scripture in Isaiah, then he puts us on task to being trees set by waters, to be these great oaks of righteousness, to become a symbol and Really, uh, we talk about it over and over here. Ambassadors for him. I'm just thankful today. And I think I can say with great joy that I accepted that good news into my life. And man, have I seen it move over these last 34 years. It is easy to get our head down in the middle of all this, especially this year. 
and not get, see God's hand at work. It's easy to get our head down and feel, I'm, I hate being so isolated, which I agree, and we give up our presence. We talked about that. But I'm telling you, the overwhelming presence of God never leaves you. Sense it more than other times, but just want to encourage you today. If you're at home by yourself, God is with us. Emmanuel. Well, we come before you right now thanking you that you didn't leave us alone. You didn't just spin this thing into motion, we believe, Lord, and step back. Not only do you not have any interaction, you don't even want to have interaction, Lord. We know it's just the opposite. Lord, we know what happened if we read Scripture, if we believe Scripture. We know what happened with Adam and Eve. You came looking for them. And you've never stopped. To the point of going to the cross. And Lord, we come this Christmas season with great joy and great rejoicing. That the light of the world came into us. And then as you change our lives, you call us to be the light of the world. Those within earshot of my voice in this message today. And Lord, if they've never received you as their personal Savior, because the salvation that Isaiah 61 talks about comes through you and you alone. 